0: Hello and welcome to episode two of Transport in Focus. On today's episode, David Sidebottom, Linda McCord, Alex Hornby and Oliver Banks are talking all things bus.
1: Let's go straight over to David for an insights update. Thank you and uh, hello to everybody. Um, I think it's just worth kind of a little bit of a a very fast whiz through the past three months or so, I guess, because it has been, you know, the most overly used word at the moment is unprecedented, but it has been unprecedented times. And I think the bus industry has gone through a staggering amount of change, both in terms of that initial middle of March, you know, locking down services to what in effect was a Sunday plus type service running, uh, a much changed timetable, broadly speaking, across uh, across Great Britain, carrying very few number of people, but those people were very important to society. People who were the key workers, those people that needed to do their essential trips, um, and it was fascinating to see the kind of view that we were starting to pick up from people through our research, our, our omnibus work, as we call it, regular track of what two thousand people across Great Britain were. Uh, saying about not just about their trips on public transport, which were few few and far between at the time, because people clearly were only making essential trips and and those key workers going back to end of March, beginning of April, but also their views on what the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus was meaning for their lives generally and what they were doing and what they were thinking. And I guess tracking that over time, over the last 10 weeks or so, We've, we've seen some stability in the results. We've seen that people are slowly returning to public transport. I think that will back up the kind of thing, I'm sure, that Alex will uh, reflect on with his own bus operations and how people are slowly returning to making more journeys as we get the chance to go to more places. But inc- interestingly, there are some things that are, that are starting to stick now. There are, there are sense from people that, you know, they are concerned about social distancing on, on, on public transport and on buses uh, uh, as well concerned about the issues around face coverings that, that came through and that's changed slightly since it became more mandatory in, uh, in England and other parts of Great Britain. And I think generally about the kind of how they how their lives are evolving as slowly restrictions are lifted on things like retailing, hospitality. There's still a big question mark for the future. And one I guess we might come to as part of this discussion over time is particular people with work. You know, work life patterns are very different now for, for quite a, a number of people and, and around 50% of people are telling us that they may not be going back to their regular five day a week commute anytime soon. I guess that's the kind of challenge that governments, transport authorities and bus operators will have in times to come. But that's the kind of view of the work that we've been doing generally over the past three months. I don't know, Linda, whether there's anything more you want to come to on the, uh, what people are actually using public transport is telling us.
0: Yes, indeed. And really interesting, David, to see it from the perspective of a, a weekly tracker like that. But as well, Transport Focus has carried out a one-off sort of survey with 7,000 people from our transport user panel. What that shows is that people are still, it's, 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 there's low usage of public transport. So of that 7,000 people, there were 875 people who had made a bus journey between the 9th and the 22nd of June. So that gives us enough to hear from those people who are using. And what is really interesting, particularly picking up from your points, David, is that what this showed is that 81% of those people were satisfied with the last journey and 80% felt safe from the risk of being exposed to coronavirus. And that this is bus passengers. What this would imply, I think, is that those who are using buses are seeing the impact of all the hard work that operators and local government and others (coughs) are doing. Uh, But we also saw saw that um, those of of the whole group, so this is like the 7,000 people, they said they expect to make a journey using public transport at some point, but half were saying they just really don't know when that will be. And I think really, really Im- importantly from that is that 42% are saying that when they do need to make journeys by public transport, and of course that includes bus, that this is their only option for those journeys. So clearly those who are using bus at the moment are indicating it is okay. For many who are saying they will be relying on public transport, including buses, as have no other alternative.
2: Thanks for that, guys. Um, I think that's a, a really interesting place to kind of, I guess, throw over to Alex. Um, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit, first of all, about sort of what you do day-to-day uh, at Transdev. And, and then maybe I think uh, also something I've noticed, certainly, spending any amount of time on on uh, Transport Twitter, as I, as I lovingly refer to it as, you'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to miss the uh, the amazing campaign that you've been doing to uh, to reassure passengers that actually you know your your services are are in a fit state to be i guess what the government refers to as covid secure so if i could just throw that over to you alex
3: yeah sure and it's it's um great hearing um what dave has been saying and some of the, the reassuring um comments um and the research that linda mentioned as well um um and and great to be part of the podcast too so thank you for that i think um yeah, I mean, over the past few months, I think what, what we've sought to do, which is what we, we've, what we always try and do at Transdev is, is, is make buses things that people are proud to be seen on. And particularly over the past few months, we've been trying to normalise buses rather than demonise buses. And I think one of our biggest concerns with, um, with, with, with Covid in itself, but then particularly some of the messaging that, have, that has accompanied it and some of the perceptions, is that is that we didn't want public transport to be demonised. We didn't want it to be the place that, you know, looks like a crime scene off, off repeated words, um, you know, during, during, during the whole COVID episode. You know, we still want to make buses places that people feel comfortable with. And at the very beginning, you know, we were taking key workers to work. We were, do, we were taking people who, quite frankly, at that point, when we, were, when we were only carrying 10% of our normal customer base, these were people that had to use the bus. So we wanted to still make that feel quite an acceptable and good part of their day not something that that was a risky part of their day and, and since then as as things have opened up and lockdown's lessened, we've been very keen to to keep that reassuring message traveling through um, we've been very strong in our clean safe ready to go um message that's actually been ongoing now for 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 for, for, for two or three months now we were very quick to 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 make people feel welcome and feel Um, feel comfortable on buses and I think this was simultaneous to when I think the the, the government was still doing the avoid public transport message because quite frankly when we spoke to our customers there were people that that couldn't avoid public transport so therefore they wanted to feel safe Um, and and it was a shame that some of the messages that were happening around that were were at risk of of not making people feel comfortable so we we worked very hard to to ensure that um, Customers and lapsed customers and even non-users completely could see there was a heck of a lot of work going on um, to keep buses clean, um, and, and we did that, you know, by showing the workers who were doing it as well, because they they get a kick out of it when they know that they're they're doing a great job and the company is 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 using them as the as 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 the as the models and the, the poster boys and girls for, for the great work they're doing. Um, So we were were very keen to to show the the enhanced cleaning process we we, we were using, um, the frequency of cleans both during the day that 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 were being enhanced, uh, the use of of new cleaning equipment such as um, um, misting equipment um, on every bus every night, installing hand sanitizers on buses, um, and, and, and more guidance for when customers got on buses as to where they should sit and why they should sit but in our typical friendly on-brand style that matched the, the comfort and ambiance of the buses um, that the, the, the we spend um, a lot of time getting right in terms of attention detail and making buses places that people want to be. Um, you know, so, so, you know, we were very strict. We didn't want yellow and black tape everywhere. everywhere. We, we wanted it to all be something that felt very comfortable, um, but at the same time, you know, made people feel confident than when they were traveling. And the whole clean, safe, ready-to-go campaign it was all about that. And, I, and I'd like to believe has helped in the areas that, that we are in to, to bring people back to bus as then when lockdown is easing. And then I think our next challenge then is is what do we what do we then do to, to, to be a little bit more um, aggressive in terms of, um, you know, if people are now make, you know, being able to go to non-essential shops, we want to get them on board buses for, for for not just the so-called essential journeys, but for journeys like that. And I think that's our next challenge. And I think that's when our marketing, our messaging has to has to step up a gear.
2: So um, I think it's really interesting that you've uh, you kind of touched on that whole essential versus uh, inessential debate. Um, I'd I'd like to throw this one out to David and Linda to to jump in on. And um, just to have a think about you know where we're at with with central government messaging at the moment around. Uh, you know essential journeys um i know that we've been doing a bit of work on this recently which uh, which has gotten quite a lot of quite a lot of good pick up in the media um so uh, david and linda i mean wh- where do you think we are at the moment with with uh, messaging from the dft and, and central government i think
1: i can just just chip in on that first of all that's okay is that i think the uh, it's, it's been quite stark between the modes and I'm, I'm, obviously we're here to talk about bus but i think we just need to reflect on where things have been from a, a national government perspective and the messaging still, um, if you look at the central government's advice is essential journeys only, and but clearly the, as the the way that restrictions have been unlocked. And I, I, I remember doing some media interviews, middle of June, when we saw the retail sector reopening, you know, and, and the questions were honest, good questions, you know, that, you know, what's an essential journey when I can actually go into town on the bus or the train or the tram and go and buy a pair of socks or a new t-shirt. know is that an essential journey? And I think that's the kind of messaging that is is sinking into people and you know the work that we're doing through our omnibus work is that it's it's clearly starting to root into people's psychology about can I actually make this journey by public transport? So it's really you know and I think certainly what we've seen with the bus sector and Alex is right the sort of vanguard of this and leading this this charge really is about not just making it inviting and welcoming back but the clarity of information keep banging on about this and even your pre-virus pre-crisis it was all it's always about information it's always about making things look and feel simple to use attractive and convenient and I think I think the messaging we have we have written to the Secretary of State this week and more news on that to come and I think you know we all looking now for that next set of clarity in terms of uh, advice for people particularly and we we are testing the bus industry particularly we are doing audits across bus operators and transport authorities to see the the sort of information that's being provided we'll get that published at some point fairly soon as well it's it's important that that information is clear and as
2: concise as possible for people. Thanks for that David. Um, Linda is there anything you'd like to add to the uh, sort of ongoing situation with with messaging from central government?
0: Yes, I, I think it's interesting because we we know when we were back, when it was normal, if we can remember back <laughs> to then, that, you know, in the industry, we, we, we know what we're talking about. The operators uh, know that what they're trying to say, uh, you know, but it doesn't always land. And this is why Transport Focus has actually been looking at some websites. Uh, we've done this on rail where we're undertaking that work at the moment just to kind of give some constructive feedback from a real passenger perspective that actually the messaging is clear. And I think David's point, and this is why Transport Focus is, is, is kind of raising this issue, is that if the messaging is not clear, it just leads to confusion for people not knowing if it is right that they should get on a bus, a train, a tram, uh, and really, that's no good for anybody. So that clarity of message is really important.
2: Yeah, I think that's some that's a really great observation, Andrew. Actually, and it's um, it's like you say, it's been the same. You know, even before COVID-19 was was but a twinkle in the eye of the global pandemic economy (laughs) we were always saying how important it was for for clarity of message and and as David said for for smart well-presented accessible transport Um, I'd like to uh, I'd like to throw you a bit of a curveball Alex and and just ask you a question which um, I wonder if perhaps you'll you'll be able to provide some additional insight on uh, how many people would you say are are being compliant with the uh, the new regulations that you must wear a, a face covering when on public transport from your experience?
3: Um, well, yeah, I think you sort of beat me too. I was waiting for an opportunity in the whole conversation to say, and of course, the the one challenge is is, is face covering that um, that I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that, that, that is the one thing that I think you know, as as an industry, is a difficult one that I'm not sure has been completely cracked yet. I think um, what what we're seeing, you know, we run we run across um, uh, the, the the sort of width of of England across the north. Um, and we see we see very different attitudes in the different towns we serve. So so in, in Harrogate, um, you know, we're actually seeing near enough about one hundred percent in terms of people um, who, who we who we estimate um, um, are not exempt from the rule. So that means if you if you see Harrogate buses, they've generally got around ninety percent of people wearing wearing them. And I think we can assume, uh, based on what we think, is around you know ten percent ish. Are likely exempt so we think that there's, there's good compliance there um, but then I think you go to some of other towns we serve um, particularly in, in, in Lancashire um, and in Blackburn and, and areas like that which, which, which have acted very differently to, to Harrogate in lots of ways they act very differently to Harrogate lots of ways in terms of attitudes and approaches and there, there the, the, um, the compliance is much is much lower it's more in the sort of 70% sort of range um, and interestingly, Blackburn is, is a place where patronage has just bounce back a lot quicker than, than it has in Harrogate. So I think a lot of this is, is down to people's attitudes and what they think is, 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 um, is, is, in, is important, um, for lack of a better term. Um, and and, and it, it is a challenge because, um, you know, in, 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 and to, illust- to illustrate the, the variability in the reaction of customers, um, it did. It did make me smile because you have to. You have to find some enjoyment out of some of these situations. Sometimes is, is a, I had a complaint reach me from a customer in Harrogate who was very, very upset that the driver had the temerity to politely ask him um, why he wasn't wearing a face covering and how dare someone challenge this man's sense of fashion or whatever as to why he wasn't wearing a face covering on board on board the thirty six bus in Harrogate. And then I had a deluge of complaints in blackburn saying it's terrible why isn't your driver throwing everybody off who hasn't got a face covering on and so these are this is where the bus you know as a bus operator we're really stuck in the middle so you know how how we are approaching that is saying to drivers look if you feel comfortable and you can do it politely please ask people you know if they haven't got a face covering to 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 to, to wear one next time
0: oliver can i come in here <clears throat> All uh, that, uh, as part of my role uh, with Transport Focus, I chair the, the, the West Midlands Bus Alliance. And Alex, it was really interesting. We had a long discussion uh, about this yesterday on one of our weekly calls. And, 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 and that uh, alliance is with Transport for West Midlands and National Express, Diamond Bus, and uh, smaller operators. Is that, you know, that they're, they're receiving their operators and Transport for West Midlands a lot of complaints from people to say that they feel they should be enforcing this a lot more. And it is really a fine balance because, you know, nobody wants to the confrontation, particularly for, for the drivers who, who who have a difficult job uh, as it is. So some of the areas that we've been trying to mitigate uh, and actually one operator in the West Midlands has made a firm decision that either a person has a face covering or they have something that shows that they have a reason for exemption uh, or else they're not allowing them on the bus. Now, that may seem a little bit extreme. However, all all they actually need, and the bus driver will hand this to to the person, the person says, I am exempt given this piece of paper, and therefore that shows other passengers that the driver has been proactive. And then picking up also, uh, Alex, on your point around, um, you know, sorts of the police or uh, in the West Midlands, there's a group of people called Safer Travel, and they've been out and about, and it's very much around encouraging people to wear face coverings, but they have actually said that they have made interventions and have Um, not arrested, but given people maybe strong warnings. And that is in some ways trying to react to those people who are saying that the industry is maybe not doing enough to get the compliance uh, to where it should be. Although we know that actually there is very high levels of compliance.
2: Hopefully you'll all be able to ignore the screeching sound as I change gears from face coverings into flexible fares. I think my, uh, (laughs) perhaps the the segue I'll use is that obviously face coverings are a challenge for passengers and I think it's fair to say that flexible fares are are going to be a challenge for industry. Um, I'd be keen to open this one up to discussion, whoever wants to just jump in first on this one. Um, What do we think the future looks like when it comes to the the nine-to-five, 365 days a year season ticket? Do we think its days are numbered?
1: If I, if I just yeah, if I just can just just chip in a little bit off you what we're
2: picking up through the
1: through the omnibus work, and I think you know I mean clearly there, there are there are initiatives coming in, and I'm you know, I'm sure Alex will talk about the good stuff that they're lining up, and we're seeing bits elsewhere. But I think I think this this is the kind of the next I can use the phrase the next wave that's coming is about the economy, obviously, and and obviously I mentioned earlier on that the that we're seeing people's you know particularly those people you know it's not just office space people who were working commuting four or five days a week They're currently less of them are doing that um you know i've not been on a train or a bus since the middle of march now there's lots of people in this similar situation um and will i go back to more regular travel in the next six months i don't really know it depends what my employer wants me to do i think there's a lot of people in that position and we've seen an awful lot of season ticket holders, uh, annual season ticket holders, other period pass holders relinquish that ticket because they either need the money and they're not sure what they're going to be doing with it. And I guess the incentive, the, the classic incentive, getting somebody onto public transport is a mix of cost and convenience. The cost challenge is going to be a huge one. The railway, you know, what the government does for that and the rail industry is one issue. I think buses have, uh, the bus industry, broadly speaking, responded much more uh, uh to foot in that in introducing different types of tickets because if I'm going to go back into the office two days a week, three days a week, I would like a ticket that actually reflects that and incentivizing me to get back on and I guess the simple thing is is the more people that we see on trains, buses and trams and buses in particular I think obviously the nature' conversation is it makes it more socially normal, more social proofing about people using it. and the more you see a bus going down the high street with more people on it like you would see in a pub or a cafe. The more you
2: might get people wanting to use it. I think that's a um, yeah, that's a really good point, David. And, and obviously, at the time of recording, um, just last night you were on the one show talking about um, obviously the, the disparity between the way that uh, fares are handled between the bus industry and the rail industry. Um, Alex, what do you think? What do you think the rail industry can learn from some of the ways that the uh, the bus industry has been tackling the issue of, of flexible fares and, and and I suppose what what we refer to as carnet tickets.
3: Well, I think I mean you, you, when when you introduced this subject, I think you said challenge, and I think we see it as an opportunity. If this is about how we how we grow demand back, I think I think what the bus industry often does is it sees things as an opportunity and, and moves and can move a lot quicker. So I think you know we 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 had a range of flexible fares um, as we're calling them. Um, we, we, we we actually did a little bit of research quite quickly as to what the better terminology could be, and we settled on bundles because we think that's, that's a more everyday term. And so we're, we've now repositioned our flex tickets as bundles of day tickets and bundles of journeys. And then again, I think that more matches the kind of language that's used for um, um, you know, gym memberships and mobile phone contracts as such as the people who still have them and things like that. So it's, it's, I think, we, A, it was about, if we're gonna position a position the product, then let's make it something that everyone can understand so we don't put it into transport jargon. Um, I think I think often the bus industry again is, is is often better at that as well because it doesn't it, it doesn't have some of the bureaucracy that, that rail has and it doesn't have to check with as many people as to what it should do and and, and position things. So I think I think the bus industry has always been quite good at that because we've been much more fleet of foot and I think we can act, act dynamically and, and and often it's just between us and our own customers as 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 to the judge on as to the right judge on things. We are
2: um. We are running out of time, but I just thought before we, uh, we close off this, this recording of episode two, um, it might be worth uh, just just throwing over to Linda to, to talk us through something that I worked very closely on uh, pre-crisis. In fact, my, my enduring memory was uh, I was out in the West Midlands filming around uh, the, the Service 40 bus when uh, my head of comms got on the phone and said, you know, the, the, the campaign, Give Bus A Go, we're going to we're gonna have to pause it because of this COVID-19 crisis. It was a very dramatic moment. Um, and I just thought I'd throw over to Linda to talk us through where she, where, where we and where she sees the, the role of Give Bus A Go uh, moving forwards.
0: Thank you, Oliver. And uh, that was just a heartbreaking sort of couple of days because, uh, as, you mentioned, <laughs> as, as you mentioned, Transport Focus launched a campaign in the West Midlands, uh, Give Bus A Go, uh, in September. And that was all around encouraging people to do just that, Give Bus A Go. And it was a success. So we had people who hadn't used the bus for maybe 10 years because their perception was that it's not for me. And these were people who who did use the bus and their experience was largely positive. And we were were starting to roll that out to other places in the West Midlands. And indeed, there was interest elsewhere in in the country because it was a great success. It, It highlighted us as being, as you said Alex, that people would be proud to be seen on buses and then this hit and we had to, in the middle of one campaign where we were w- working so much and quite hard into the evenings, uh, uh, Oliver, we, we, we had to stop it. Uh, because uh, obviously right at the beginning of this, us giving out a message of give bus a go when Everybody else was saying leave transport for those who absolutely have to have to use it right at the beginning was not the right thing to do. However, there is a real opportunity, I think, to revisit this in the future when we come out of this totally because bus is an absolutely great way to travel. Uh, There is unfortunately sometimes the perception that it is not but it is and there will be a role for us in transport focus to work with the industry and I think possibly not only bus uh, but you know the give bus a go is a, is our campaign to to let people know out there that actually yes doing your journey and using bus is a really good thing to do.
2: I think you're absolutely right Linda and um as you say, you know, hinting there quite strongly that perhaps that message of you know give X a go will, will probably have to be expanded out to, uh, to to reach some some different and perhaps slightly shocking methods of transport. Um, we are unfortunately uh, out of time for this recording. Um, all that's left for me to say really is uh, thank you to, to Alex not just for appearing uh, on our podcast this morning but also for the, the fantastic work he does, as Linda mentioned, to really big up the reputation of bus. And to make it feel uh, not just like that kind of other, but the thing that you want to be on, uh, not just during COVID-19, but also long before then. Uh, I'd also really like to say thank you to David and Linda for giving up their time this morning to chat to us about bus. And thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in to episode two of Transport in Focus. Uh, I do hope you'll be able to provide us with your feedback on what like, uh, you would like to hear. On this program next time, uh, and I do hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks for episode three. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you for your time this morning.
0: Transporting Focus is recorded across Great Britain. It is written and produced by Oliver Banks and co-produced by Sarah Nelson.